Sean O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Oklahoma needs some big plays and some points in a hurry. Nice throw by Bradley. Derek Shepard breaks a tackle at the 45-50. Here he goes, 45-40, 35, at the 30, cuts back, at the 20. Oh, great run by Shepard. He'll score 73-yard touchdown. There are no flags. A great individual effort by Derek Shepard. Big third down. Mayfield's going to go wide open. It's Shepard. Sterling Shepard. He dives in. Did he get to the end zone? Or did he step out of bounds? He's in. Touchdown. Close snap, hands off to James, hit in the backfield, fumbles the ball, but Miami recovers it. Then Oklahoma picks it up and runs with it. Down to the 35-30, 25-20, 15, 10-5, Reggie Smith all the way. And it looks like that's going to stand up. It is touchdown Oklahoma. Three days, count them, just three days until kickoff in Norman. There's Derek Shepard in the 1983 Bedlam game. There's Sterling Shepard in the 2015 OU Tennessee game. And there's Reggie Smith with a scoop and score in the 2007 OU Miami game. Uh, brutally hot that day, brutally humid that day. Derek Shepard, legend. Sterling Shepard, legend. Reggie Smith, um, I, I know we talk about underrated players all the time. I consider Reggie Smith a very underrated player in the Stoops era. Freshman that's, All-American and Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in uh, 2007, John. That's funny because I actually considered him underwhelming. I thought it was there was I thought there was going to be more. Wow. I thought we were going okay. to expect more from Reggie Smith. Um, I can remember in that stadium, Good special teams player as well. He was okay. We uh, we anticipated him being a whole lot better, but he's not going to go down as one of our best punt returners. But people thought he was going to be a fantastic punt returner. He was he was a good punt returner. He wasn't Antonio. But you know was what? Was he Antonio Perkins? Was he Jalen okay. Saunders? And, th- and that's was and that's why Westbrook? you I, that's why you think so low of Reggie Smith. I don't care who he immediately came. It doesn't in matter. It doesn't How matter. good does Reggie Smith's career look now compared to what you've seen over the course of well, the no, past ten years? Well, no, that's fair. Don't even know? give me. Yeah, that's probably why you look back at, it, or at least why I look back at it now and say, uh, "Dang, well, no, okay, no, Reggie that's Smith the, can ball." Would we check? Would we take him as a corner at least? Prior to Woody Washington, 100%. I think him anywhere in the secondary. It doesn't matter right now. Travis, um, three days away until kickoff, and this spread was sitting at OU minus 35, favored by 35 for a while. And Well, actually, they were sitting at it's like OU minus 33. Last week it jumps up to 35. Now it's at 36 and a half. So I don't know if you're single-handedly responsible for driving up to Kansas, betting on OU and driving up this number, but – the spread continues to get larger and larger before kickoff. Well, it is a shorter drive for me here in Tulsa, so um, you know I won't discuss too many of my uh, gambling, uh, you know, tendencies on air. You know, I don't want to move the line any more than I already have, allegedly. But uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, Reggie Smith, I would sure like a uh, freshman All-American, two-time first-team All-Big Twelve guy uh, on this team. I wouldn't mind that at all. But. I digress. No, that, that we have, line. We have, 
We have him on our roster, Travis. His name is Peyton Bowen. He's going to be fantastic. I'll take another one. Okay, well. Don't get greedy, but yes, you're probably right. <laughs> funny, funny story about Reggie Smith is he was uh, when he was playing at Edmond. Um, Dominique Franks uh, was playing at Union at the time, and that's where I was going uh, to uh, school. And Reggie was such an incredible return guy, uh, despite you know rumors on these airwaves in the last five minutes. So was such an incredible return man that Dom Franks came down and smoked him on a, uh, you know, early hit, you know, gets all kinds of flags and everything like that, just so Reggie would fair catch at the rest of the game. I think Reggie actually chipped his tooth playing against Union, um, trying to make a tackle somehow, uh, despite having a face mask on. So Union got the better of Reggie that night, but went on to a good OU career. There's a lot of uh, Reggie Smith defenders on the oh Kimmel Meyer Chevrolet text it. line just right now. Just bring it. Micah from Kanawha, I was at that Reggie Smith scoop and score game. We were sitting amongst the Miami faithful and had lots of leg room in the second half. I thought Miami fans only existed on the Internet, but I guess they were there in uh, real person, uh, real in, in person uh, in Norman that day. Nice, nice to know. Um, just hopped on, says Sark's Vodka. I would like to introduce myself as this John character. That's from Sark's vodka. <laughs> uh, Reggie Smith had a bad day against Oregon in 2005 or 2006. Yes, so did the officiating crew that day. And 405, underwhelming BS. Reggie was a two-time first-team All-Big 12. If he and Curtis Lofton come back in 2008, we win a national championship. That's there's a lot of what well, ifs for 2008. First of there. all, we win a national championship if DeMarco plays. You don't need you, you didn't need Reggie Smith to yeah. win that national championship. Travis, um, what does success look like on Saturday, man? You're a 36 and a half point favorite. You're probably it's probably one of the larger spreads that you're going to find across Saturday's slate of college football. What is what does OU need to do Saturday at 11 a.m. for you and I to be doing a post game show and saying, all right, yeah, I'm happy with what I saw today. Can it be summed up in one word, just cover? I mean, yep. I, I mean, I think that would – because Vegas sets the expectations, right? I mean, there's there's a reason. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? They they know what they're doing. The Sharps, they're uh, in the desert. And if it would mean if we cover that we did better than expected, right? And we're already expected to do quite well, but this is not a good team, right? They finished uh, – um, seventh in their conference last year, I believe. They bring in a lot of new faces. Um, probably between Butch and Neil Brown, you're dealing with the two coaches that are on the hottest of seats. So th- this isn't going to be isn't going to be uh, an easy road for them at all. Especially considering you look at that depth chart and what they might have to deal with with the second string, if you will, is like a Jackson Arnold handing off to you know. Javante Barnes and throwing to Nick Anderson, Jaquez Petaway, and you know Jaden Gibson and these guys like it's it's going to be it's going to be not time to play with your food. I look for them to go out really fast, cover by halftime for all you know. Cover the thirty-six and a half by halftime. Yeah, that would be a success. What what needs to happen, John, for you to have your post-game uh, Boomer Bevo podcast and you to be happy with what you did on Saturday? What needs to occur? You want to see Dylan Gabriel stay clean, which he probably will. I mean, I think the ex- talk about things that you'd have to see to be to be happy. You'd have to be really. I, I think we're going to watch it and say, okay, well, that's what it should have been. 
Sure. So that's going to be and really highlight tough. the negative things and then if highlight, even there. Yeah, highlight the negative things or if we're there. But we, we've got to be careful, obviously, to not get too excited. And remember, whatever we do see, it is Arkansas State. We saw this last year in the first three games. Heck, we saw it against Nebraska last year. Remember how fired up we were after Nebraska? Uh, I do indeed remember that. I yes. mean, I think this team will be better. You're, uh, uh, it's the, but it's the same things we say all the time. Dylan Gabriel's going to have to stay clean. No busts in the secondary. I mean, that's been the bugaboo for years and years and years. So no stupid busts in the secondary. And then some playmaking along the defensive line. Unfortunately, that is exactly what we saw last year in the first three games. So it's, it, it's hard to believe what you see, I think, until we play a a conference opponent. Yeah, like how do I label success? I think there's a lot of answers there, but one of my answers is kind of what you're talking about. In in the UTEP game, if I remember correctly, OU goes right down the field and scores. And then OU goes right down the field and scores again. And then they give it to Gavin Freeman and he scores and they're up 21 nothing rather quickly. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see this team come out and look like they are the 36 and a half point favorite against a team like Arkansas State, because this is probably, guys, the worst team that OU is going to play all year long. Like, this is the biggest layup that you have on your schedule. Go out and make it look like just that. Make it look like a layup. Dominate in the trenches. Hit on the deep ball. Just look more – just physically dominate them in every area. Like, cover the spread. What I just I think we're going to be able to tell if this team just physically dominated a team like Arkansas State, Travis. Yeah, I mean – you, you want them to look very obviously the team. It, it shouldn't even look like these two teams are playing the same sport at, at, you know, at some point, right? Like we get that weird uh, argument every year. Could this Georgia team beat the worst team in the NFL? Could this Bama team beat the worst team in the NFL? It needs to be that big of a gap where it's like they shouldn't even be on the same field. And, and really, you know, I know we're going to have our questions until we play Texas, right? I mean, that's everybody's saying, you know, we – we won't really know. We, you know, we've got a light slate. Obviously, Iowa State and Cincinnati don't exactly instill fear in you. SMU might score some points. We'll see what Kevin Wilson can do. But, man, I, I hope we appreciate a, a little bit of this time that we're getting because this is an extended fall camp. I mean, you yep. look at that depth chart up and down, and you're like, there are still position battles to be had. So I, I hope that this is not a situation where it's, okay, go out and dominate, and, you know, we're good to go, pack it in, all this. Like, I hope that you see aggression in the second half. I hope you see a lead extended in the second half, something that we, we haven't seen in Norman here for a little bit, to be honest. Uh, I hope you I hope you see Jackson Arnold get in there and throw the ball deep. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hope it's pedal to the metal. Greg from Lawton says, cover house, uh, 38 to nothing or 69 to 31? 69 to 31, that's what I like to call a mule shoe cover right there. <laughs> Give up 31 points, but still find a way to cover the, uh, the 36 and a half. I would much prefer the, uh, the shutout there. 405, need to see a balanced offense. Chew some clock, extend each series, lockdown defense. Arkansas, Arkansas State sucks with four exclamation marks uh, there, in case you're wondering. 405, I could see our second string offense come out with that killer mentality and want to score more than the first string offense. Colin KC says OU wins this weekend 69 to 2. So we've got a we've got some aggressive uh got some well, ag- aggressive predictions here. I mean they talk about that's another thing though that you'd want to see is you, is you want to see when you talk about dominance and physical dominance, the most evident of that is uh, or the the thing that stands out the most to me is the run game and picking up those third and twos. 
by running the ball. Brent said they by, were soft last year in but, short yard yes. situations. I mean, look, yeah. last year we had a hard time doing that against uh, even even in those three games before conference play. We had a hard time just lining up and saying we're better than you and we're going to run the ball right down your throat. And so those are the kind of situations that you want to see a difference from this year and last year is where we line up, we're better than you are, we give it to, it looks like it could be Marcus Major, we give it to Towie Walker, whoever we give it to, and we run it down their throats, we pick up eight or nine yards, and then we go do it again. I'll, I'll, do, you one, I'll do you one better real quick. How about we do yeah, that on right. both sides of the ball, right? Not only yep. do we struggle on third and two and fourth and one, we struggle defending third and two and fourth and one. That's why you go out and you get a Dejon Terry. That's why you beef up that interior, right, is – the, the, the most humiliating thing last year wasn't the quick three and outs and the defense had to run back on the field. It was the fact that big-time third and fourth downs were picked up late in the fourth quarter to seal losses. Well, I mean, Trav- you, had, you had Baylor going for it inside their own 25, and we were in field goal range. We, would have t- we could have tied the game or taken the lead, and they're going for it. That is the ultimate disrespect. And so both sides of the trenches, two yards each way, so call it those four yards. That's what I'm looking to see. Travis, it wasn't even big-time fourth-down plays. It was random fourth-down plays that they were going for it against us. It was just going for fourth-down because they knew they could pick it up. So I couldn't agree with you more. That's what you – you have to see that improvement. I, it's funny, though, when you say it out loud, you're like, I guess you're right. But I think – I hope that we're beyond that. But maybe, to your point, we got to see it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that could go right this Saturday that you maybe you take with a grain of salt because it is Arkansas State. But come on, Butch, you're on the hot seat. So if it's fourth and one, fourth and two, from your own 25, from midfield or whatever, just go for it, right? And even though we might take things with a grain of salt this week, I, I still think some people could get excited if Arkansas State's out there for a couple of fourth downs and you hold them, like you shut them down on a fourth and one, they go for it on a fourth and two, it's a turnover on downs, just, you know, thing, things like that that are a reverse from last year to, to make you feel even more optimistic here moving forward. Ronnie Crimson, before we hit a break, says, which number is larger on Saturday? The number of tackles for Danny Stutzman or the number of schooner ales consumed by Gunny Stutzman's army? And I don't know about you guys, and I think Gunny did confirm that he's going to be at the game on Saturday. I think Danny Stutzman is going to have a hell of a game on Saturday. I really do. I think he's going to have a lot of tackles. But he's not going to have more tackles than Schooner Ales consumed by Gunny, Travis. I can't believe that for a second. Yeah, I, and, and I, uh, <laughs> I I tweeted this uh, when I woke up. At 3.36 in the morning, Gunny was up drinking an All-American Schooner Ale. I'm, there's with a Heisenberg hat on, and I'd imagine there was a, a left-handed c- cigarette in there at, at some point too. Here's the thing, Gunny is the most SEC ready. Like when we talk about the craziness of the SEC and all that, you know, like LSU fans and this that the other. Like when we talk about that, that's what I expect. 3:35 a.m. on a weekday with a Heisenberg hat, toasting a Sooner Schooner All-American Ale. That's what I'm talking about. He, he's the most likely to poison the other team's trees, right? I mean, let's just face it. He's the one we've got to keep an eye on just to kind of keep him just from completely. I, I think once LSU fans and uh, Florida fans, I'm trying to think of some of the nastier fan bases in the SEC. LSU and Florida is a good place to start there. They're top but of I, I think once they see a photo of Gunny, drinking beers at 3.30 with a Heisenberg hat on and probably a left-handed cigar, I think a lot of those fans are going to say, finally, a challenge, <laughs> a challenge. We have, met, we have met our match with this Gunny Stutzman's Army guy. It feels I like, it feels I, like uh, 
the the movie uh, Troy, where you know the other, you know right at the beginning there's that big battle, and uh, yet LSU or Florida can go get their uh, you know greatest warrior, and somebody goes and wakes Gunny up from a uh, you know from a stupor. We we grab him and he just shows up, takes care of business, and then we move on to the next army. You're right, man. He's SEC ready. That's there is there is no doubt about that. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. All right, depth chart reactions. We'll get to those, but how about this? How about what was released in the depth chart yesterday? What we think will be different by the time this uh, team hits Dallas and goes down south to play Texas. At Brown O'Haver today in Moore, 1901 North Moore Avenue, Brown O'Haver routinely gets clients 30 to 40% more money over than doing it on their own. So call them today, 405-735-5510. 405-735-5510. John's going to have some, some more great stories for us as the show rolls on as well. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fan. It is The Rush on The Ref, three days until kickoff in Norman. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Winston, co-host of the Boomer Bebo podcast, is with us today as well. Live from Brown O'Haver and more. If you've experienced a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, you need to call Brown O'Haver at 405-735-5510. That's 405-735-5510. I, I love it when I just get to sit back and you say, hey, we did this, and you, you told us last hour you got a family over $100,000 more than the original offer from the insurance company. What else do you have? Yeah, we had a client uh, down in Norman, a uh, victim of the February tornadoes. And the insurance company came out and gave them an initial estimate of $106,000 to repair. We were brought in, uh, inspected the property, noted, noted a substantial amount of damage that was omitted in the initial report, worked with the client, the engineer, and we were able to demonstrate and get the client paid an additional $178,000. <laughs> so their total went from 106 to $284,000. That's, that's a game changer. That's a, that's a game changer. It's life-changing money. The ability to rebuild your house back to the way you want it. Uh, you know, you have the right to handle your insurance claim. You also have the right to hire your own advocate. So we are licensed by the state of Oklahoma to be advocates for you in the preparation of insurance claims. So give us a call, 405-735-5510. It's Brian O'Haver. All right, Travis, when you look at the death chart that was released yesterday, which spot do you think is most likely to change when OU walks into the Cotton Bowl uh, game six of the year? Well, I, I would probably guess the running back room. And, again, I, I don't want to take anything away from – Tommy Walker and Marcus Major, they've earned those positions by being consistent, having good camps. I just feel like that that young talent's going to win out. Uh, I think that upside's going to win out. Um, and I honestly, with the offensive line, Jacob Sexton I think might be too good to keep off the field. I just don't and, – and Walter Rouse obviously is a big dude. Rouse is big as a house. Like – I think the left side of the line is going to be athletic, going to be big, going to be great in the run game. But, I mean, Sexton was, I mean, slotted to start, even went out and played on that injury against Florida State. They are comfortable with him. And I thought, I mean, I don't even know if we go get Walter Rouse if Sexton doesn't have that injury. So uh, I'll be interested to kind of see where that goes. Um, 
you know, you kind of got to look at some of the some of the young guys. What does what does R. Mason Thomas do? What does a guy like uh, Robert Spears Jennings, who is coming back from injury, I believe he gets cleared in three days. I think that's what I uh, what I saw. Like so so if I had to pick one, it would be the running back position. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm there with you as well. And Saturday. Saturday is going to be interesting just in, in terms of how are they going to handle this moving forward. Like every position where there's still a position battle, you got a few weeks to figure it out because what the non-conference schedule looks like, John. But Marcus Major is going to get carries this weekend, plural, carries. Tommy Walker is going to get a good number of carries on Saturday. Javante Barnes is going to get carries. Gavin Sawchuk will get carries if he's available to play. There's going to be at least four running backs that get to play on Saturday. I just wonder how long they feel that's how sustainable that is. You know what I mean? Like, do, do, at what points, if at all, do they want to start to limit that down to, okay, here's our one-two duo and maybe here's our third down closer type of back? Because they're going to play a lot this Saturday. When do they start to shorten that rotation a little bit? They start to shorten it when they have to shorten it. You know, when they, when they start to find themselves in tighter games, limited uh, – limited possessions, where each possession has to count for more, that's when you're going to see it. Here's the problem, right? I was, on the, I was the president of the Marcus Major fan club last year. I was so excited about the way he was playing early in the year. I even falsely, you know, or stupidly made the argument, oh, man, he's better than Eric Gray. Get him out mm-hmm. there. He's more physical, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Similar to my Reggie Smith take, apparently, according <laughs> to the text line. But, I mean, I was there. And so then to see him at the top of the depth chart – is like bittersweet for me because in one aspect, I'm like, well, maybe I'm finally vindicated. But the other aspect says, there's no way that Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk are not going to pass him in the next couple games. Those guys are legit. I watched the cheese at bowl the other day just to, just to rewatch them to get fired up about how good those guys were. I mean, they ran all over what is a very talented, very good Florida state defense. That is not a big 12 defense. That is a top 10. What is Florida State? Top 10, top 6 team right now? I mean, they are loaded. We ran all over them. I just can't envision a scenario as much as I want to where Marcus Major secures this job long term. Uh, a little off topic, but I just hope a year from now you're not saying what you just said. Well, I was get, trying to get fired up for the season or getting fired up for the season, so I watched the cheese at Bowl from last year. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's 100% right. <laughs> that's, that's a low the, uh, moment right there. That's man. 100% right. I, fair, I feel you on that. Be the pop tart bowl uh, next year, right? You got to find yes. pla- you got to find places for inspiration. Yeah, I was getting fired up for the SEC, so I went back and watched the uh, pop tart bowl just to kind of get ready for the year. No, I mean, I, I look. I think Marcus Major can absolutely have a role in this offense this year. Clearly, he's listed. Dude. He's probably going to get the first carry on Saturday. I think that he can have a role. But do I still think that Barnes and Sawchuck are going to be your one-two and lead you in carries this year? If both are healthy, Travis, I'm I'm still I'm still there. Yeah, where I think Barnes probably leads the team in carries and Sawchuck's probably right behind him at number two. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. When you you know, you ask about tightening up the rotation, I mean, Marcus Major, obvious health issues. This is his fifth season, right? Obvious health issues. You've got Javante Barnes coming off of a surgery. You've got Gavin Sawchuck who's been banged up since he's been in Norman. You've got Tawi Walker is the only one with a clean bill of health that we know of. It might not be a situation where you have to go into this season with the idea of, okay, is it conference play where we tighten this thing up? Is it like, it might just happen naturally. So you yeah. might need to 
really just, you know, spread these carries out and kind of let attrition take care of tightening up. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, give, you know, whether that's Walker or whether that's Marcus Major, all these carries, and then you get to, you know, week four, and all of a sudden one of them goes down with an injury, and the other guys have six total carries between them. You know what I mean? Like, I think you've got to really spread it out, get everybody in a groove, because, again, three out of the four guys at the top of the depth chart have all had injury issues, or at least coming off of a surgery. So you really be cognizant of that. It really does feel like when you feel like you have three, four, five running backs who can, you know, play a substantial role, how it eventually kind of works itself out during the season. And what it looks like on Saturday may not even be the same coming out of the Texas game. John, I, I still remember the doing a pregame show for what would have that, that would have been the 2017 OU Texas game. Rodney Anderson, And someone absolutely. got hurt or someone was suspended and it was, oh, well, it looks like Rodney Anderson might get some carries. It kind of feels like this could be – his last chance potentially to really make a, a move here at running back. Well, he had a good game, and he was, he was in the, my opinion, the best running back in college football at the end of that season. He might have been the best player in college football, including our Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. He was fantastic. We forget about the walk-off at Kansas State. Yep. The dude walked it off. Yep. Um, but here's the deal with Marcus Major, and, and uh, Travis just alluded to it. He's a redshirt senior, okay? So if this was Marcus Major as a redshirt sophomore at the top of this list, I think we'd all say, yep, absolutely. This guy's, he's physically built. He's got all the tools. He, he's, we've seen some limited playmaking. But the, the other side of the coin is we've seen four years. We've been teased with four years of Marcus Major, and they've never come to fruition. It's like we have too much scar tissue to truly believe this is actually going to occur. And, and some really good young players behind. And some were, very good yeah. young players behind that we, frankly – at least in our brains right now, want to see over him. Like, I would rather see Gavin Sawchuk yeah. play, uh, play over Marcus Major. But does anyone agree that like, with Marcus Major, where he sits today, and you just said it all, and especially for a lot of fans, yeah, I mean, I've just been burned by this before. But I don't think that he has to be the number one running back at the end of the year for us to say, okay, well, we had been burned by it three or four years before, and it finally happened this year. I think if he just finds a role within the offense and makes some big plays throughout the year without even being the number one back or maybe even the number two back, like maybe we can still go back and say, Travis, that, yeah, all right, it took a while for it to happen, but it finally happened in this year. If he can be the, the third down back or the fourth quarterback or whatever, like I, I still think there's a chance here that this can end or his career can end on a high note. Yeah, I think, and I think there was a little bit of that kind of respect to him. Like, hey, you've been doing this a long time. You've earned it. You know, you've, you've stuck around. You've put in the work. You know, you've had the right attitude about it. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, kind of like John touched on. It's you want the young guys in there, but give them the opportunity to get fully healthy, fully confident. And, and with Marcus Major, ride him out. Let him let – him, let him run all the time. Lead the team in carries. Sure. If he can stay healthy, we're all the better for it. At the end of the day, if your top four backs, if all of them stay healthy, you're in the top 5% of injury luck in the entire country. So with that, I, I know we haven't seen it, but God, if Marcus can stay healthy, he had one move last year in the open field that I've never even seen from Marcus Major. If he could continue to develop things like that, sure. But not only has he not stayed healthy so far, and again, I, I – the guy's at the top of the depth chart, so I hate. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hating on him, but I'm not. I'm just trying to be factual here. But when he, when he went down in the past, he lost position 
to younger guys and never got it back. It would that was that's part of the issue. If you go down with an injury, sure. But when you come back, if you're that much better, you're going to retain your spot or regain your spot in that lineup. Javante Barnes was was directly behind Eric Gray the rest of the year last year. And and that's what I want to see is, hey, look, anybody, like, go back and get your spot. Show us that you're a back that can be the best back on the team. Monster truck guy taking some uh, shots on the Meyer text line right now. Muleshoe will make the Pop-Tart Bowl because he's glazed on the outside and soft on the inside. Wow. Uh, monster truck guy did not like what he saw from the Ooh. USC defense. Oh, I loved what I saw from oh, the USC oh, defense. I did too. <laughs> Bill Plaschke didn't like yeah. it. He let us know about that in the LA Times. But uh, uh. Well, here's the deal too, though. You talk about we're not, we don't want to hate on Marcus Major. I don't think Sooner Nation wants to hate on Marcus Major. I, think I sure so- hope not. I think Sooner Nation says if Marcus Major reels off a couple hundred-yard games – He's the most. He could be the most popular player on the team. Like right. we want it, him to be really, really good. We all want it to be really, really good. We're just not trusting. And it he's got to hold off the two sophomores. And he's got to hold off. The, and but, it feels like once those two guys kind of assert their place as the one and two back, it's going to be hard for anyone but, else. But to, if he's but if he's too. able to to demonstrate not just a role, like like if he's able to be the story of the year, you know, and to come out and say, yes, I haven't played in four years, so believe it or not, I've got the freshest legs of the bunch. He could be the, the most favorite player on the team, and we would all be rooting for him. I would be at the top of the list. It's just – it's hard to get there. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More OU football and college football coming up next right here on The Ref. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson, Cherokee Sooner on the Meyer Chevrolet text line says, Muleshoe should call Bran O'Haver about his hairline, though I'm not sure they could adjust a dadgum thing. Could you even adjust uh, Muleshoe's hairline, or probably probably something that uh, – that's the one thing that you can't do here at Brown O'Hare. We can't fix that hairline. Mm. That's for sure. Holy crap. Apparently nobody in California can, uh, can fix it either. 20 years ago today, guys, in my opinion, the greatest alternate uniforms in OU history were worn. They did an homage, a tip of the cap to the 1950s teams under Bud Wilkinson. They dominated North Texas at home. And those alternate uniforms still stand, in my opinion, as I, I don't know what you think, Travis, but my uh, my personal favorite out of all the alternate uh, uniforms that have ever been worn. They're you perfect. Know, I, I like them. I like them for sure. Mm-hmm. But and I know this will probably catch some heat, and I'm I'm totally okay with that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man. Um, I still like the gold accented um, Red River uniforms that we wore. Um, it'll the, on the hundredth year. That's the, those will. Be my favorite because, you know, from a distance, they still look like our tradition-rich uniforms. But up close and personal, you know, they got the nice little accents. So that's, those are the ones I'm going with. But, yes, those throwbacks do look good. Sweet. And, well, and everyone says, we should, we should wear them again. We should wear them every single year. I'd love to see them wear those alternate uniforms every single year. But I feel like everyone – like. <sighs> 
they, they kind of live in lore a little bit just because you haven't worn them in 20 years. Like, you haven't broken them out since. Well, they live in lore because every other alternative uniform sucks. <laughs> That's why. The, the only reason those alternative uniforms are even any good is because the others were so bad, including the golden striped highlighted ones that resulted in a loss, okay? And first a loss all, that should have never happened. That loss all, was ridiculous. The I blame solely on the uniforms. The uniforms did not have anything to do with that loss. As, as, as somebody whose entire podcast revolves around that game, you should know better. That, Which game that, was that? The, Remind me. I just know the, we lost. 25, uh, f- uh, that would be 2013. 2013 game. 2013. Yeah, that's the Blake Bell game, right? Yeah, well, Blake Bell started, and they didn't run him that day for whatever reason. That yeah, still, okay. Because Taysom Hill, yeah, I think they did, two torn ACLs ran all over Texas, right. and Blake Bell didn't. Because they did, yeah, because they didn't want to get the uniforms dirty. It had everything to do with the uniforms, Travis. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, they, they were good looking. They were good. Here's the thing. Oh, my gosh. We, we lost one game in them, and, and everybody, you know, so even the text line, Realtor Chris says the, uh, the, the one lost gold uniforms need to come back. Or one time and lost. Wish we would have kept them. All these, like, you know, the uniforms, you know, I, I think they play a little better if they like the uniforms. And, uh, you know, I think they liked those gold ones. 918, so the 2024 OU defensive line NIL class will be heavily financed by Brown O'Haver. Three laughing face emojis. I guess they're saying we're sharing all these uh, testimonials here that – Maybe Brown O'Haver needs to uh, no, no, get involved no. in NIL. No, 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 no. Quite the opposite. What we're doing is when, when Sooner fans sign up with us, this is how much extra money they're making. So as a collective group of clients, they can start funding the collectives even better, right? So we're just aiding in it. We're not actually financing Perfect. it. This is going into people's pockets so that they can turn around and put it in a collective. Tyler, those alternate uniforms were not great, but the gold ones that Travis is talking about were buns. That's from Kenny, the alpha male. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, Realtor Chris, the one lost gold uniforms need to come back. You just read that one. Uh, 405, I use those uh, alternate whites all the time in NCAA 2014. So we have some, I think most, that love the uh, 2003 throwbacks and there, uh, there are definitely some with you, Travis, that they love the, the gold accent on the white uniforms for OU Texas to, back then. To be fair, I dug the anthracite last year. Yeah. I really liked the anthracite last year, and I really liked it in basketball. Like, I loved the anthracite. You know I thought I, that was a cool you, look. You know what I've noticed? I, uh, I, I've been called uh, old and crusty with my uniform opinions, and that's, that's fine. I, I, actually, I, I love that. I, I like traditional uniforms. But as much as I tend to complain about most alternate uniforms look – the week leading into the game, it's amazing. Once the game starts, I really don't notice the the uniforms whatsoever. I know. Like, I, I know that they're there. I can see that they're there. But every I don't time, every to. time they were in the bring the wood uniforms, I noticed it the entire game, and I hated every single second of it. It ruined the viewing of it. It was terrible. We looked slow. We looked. I just couldn't stand them. Not. Ugh. Not a fan. No, terrible. It's like pimento cheese. Hey, Travis. Whoa, we. Uh, you heard it. You heard it, Travis. God, he, does, oh, he has terrible taste in uniforms and literal taste? Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, doesn't sound like John will be getting an invite to our pre- and post-game show for the Tulsa game, which, Travis, you've got that one uh, nailed down, man. You sent me a video of where we are going to be right outside Chapman Stadium, so – uh, hats off to you for, for getting that one, but I, for all the OU fans uh, that are going to be up there in the 918 for week three, where are, we, uh, where are we setting up at? What's the situation look like? 
Yeah, so obviously I am the lone uh, host uh, in the 918, so I had to come correct and make sure we made sure we had a good spot. Um, and we are in the best spot. We are 50 feet from Chapman. I mean, we were in the shadows of the scoreboard at Chicken and the Wolf. Um, they are the kind of Nashville hot chicken sandwich spot. Uh, they've got beers on tap. They've got boozy slushes. They're going to have big smokers out there that day doing whole chickens. They're going to be doing whole wings. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome. They've got a covered patio, got the TV out there. We're going to be there for three hours of pregame starting at 11 and then 12 to 2. Uh, Tyler and I will be on. And then two hours after the game, Tyler and I will be handing post, handling postgame duties as well. So Chicken and the Wolf, it's literally in the, in the shadow of, of the south end zone scoreboard and uh i believe they're trying to get the, sh- the street shut down for like a block party situation Ooh, but let's it go is, oh my gosh I, I couldn't be more excited about this location and really tyler and i uh <laughs> after you know the post game situation is always fun because you've got to leave the game in order to get to the post game situation tyler and i are uh are, are lucky for this one we just have to walk across the street well, we, can, we can crawl back if that's what the situation uh, dictates. You know what I mean? We can, <laughs> that's, we can do Absolutely. that. Um, guys, I uh, like Dana Holgerson a little bit more today than I did yesterday. He was asked on his radio show last night about A&M and Texas making the Big 12 less desirable. And he said that UT and A&M were the reason why the Cougars were left out of the Big 12 for nearly three decades. Here is a direct quote from Dana Holgerson last night on his radio show. Quote, screw them. They can go wherever <laughs> they want. They don't want us, and we don't want them. End quotes. So, yeah, I like Dana Holgerson a little bit more today. Just a little bit more today than I did yesterday after being asked about UT and A&M, and he said, screw them. Uh, way to go, Texas. Dana. Texas goes to Houston this year, which I think is just another way the Big 12 is saying – you know, big middle finger to Texas. You get to go play at Houston. That is going to be a raucous. If, that's going to be a raucous environment. And I, to your point, with Dana Holgerson, go Cougs. I'm here for if it. If I could hand any team in college football a loss this year that doesn't involve an OU game, it'd be Texas. Texas losing at Houston would be pretty high on my list, just because I know what that would do to oh, the Texas. They would fan melt base. down. Oh, it would be amazing. No, it would be great. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More college football next right here on The Ref. Join the movement. The Ref Army is growing. Don't miss a second of the Sooner coverage you want with the KREF app, the number one source for Sooner fans. Cavens Group bringing you this hour of the rush. Emergency repairs. Cavens Group, they are on the call 24-7. Check them out, cavensgroup.com. Tyler McComish, Travis Davidson, John Whitson, live from Brian O'Haver in Moore. If you've experienced a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, you need to call Brian O'Haver at 405-735-5510. That's Brian O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Travis, LSU got some bad news yesterday. Again, they are already without Mason Smith, former five-star. He's a defensive lineman, maybe LSU's best defensive lineman. And head coach uh, yesterday said that John Emery, the number one running back on their team, is going to be out for the Florida State game as well. Um, how heavily will LSU be impacted without their number one running back and maybe their best defensive lineman when they play Florida State on Sunday night? I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, obviously, we touched on, you know, kind of 
Florida State's running defense against us. That's that's the only thing really they need to fix on that defense. They've obviously got the edge rushing. I mean, I mean, their their quarterback play is is really good. You know, they've got talent all over. The Keon Coleman obviously came out of the portal. They reloaded. I think on offense, ten of their starters are transfers. Only one was recruited from high school. So they're doing great things in the portal. But where they were still weak was in the interior of the defensive line, and LSU was going to be able to run the ball. Now you lose that running back, definitely an issue. Um, but it's going to come down to can Harold Perkins be the best defensive player in college football, which for my money he probably is. Yeah, uh, so if he can showcase that, then I still th- I, I still like you know LSU's defense able to kind of make up for uh, not having Mason. But yeah, that that the loss of the running back against a Florida State run defense that was not great last year I think is going to be the bigger blow I've been on LSU in this game all offseason John and I might still pick them but it's like geez how many starters you guys going to be out when this game gets here well they just first of all those are losses and you can't minimize that those are great players that they that they're going to lose but are they going to be better in special teams? Because that's why they lost the game last year. Oh, they were terrible in that. Yeah. They, oh. were, they were terrible. They had, some, they had some special teams issues. They had, some spe- they had special teams issues. They, they get the ball with a minute, just over a minute to go. Jaylen, they had a terrible special teams play against Georgia in the SEC championship game last year, if J- I remember correctly. Jalen Daniels marches them all the way down the field. They're in position to win the game. If he goes for two, they win the game. It's over. And he elects to kick it after having one blocked and one missed, and they miss it again. So, yes, this is, the, losing these guys is a problem. Special teams was a much bigger problem. So, for LSU's sake, hopefully they have it fixed. That, that's the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, from an OU perspective, are we all rooting for one result over the other? It's kind of like we'll see what the rest of the season looks like, and then you might go back and say, oh, I wish this would have happened in that LSU-Florida State game. I mean, I, I consistently root for – Whatever helps us in recruiting, right? I think that's the most direct thing here because I'm not sure yeah. LSU's, you know, non-conference, you know, win-loss type situation is really going to affect us this year in standings um, because both the teams are ranked ahead of us right now. So it's not like we can we can, we can hope for a big upset here, right? So I like to think of it as, hey, we're going to the SEC, LSU. We're we're trying to pull. Heck, we're trying to pull a five-star out of their state right now. We just lost Caden Durham to them. DeCorian Moore committed to them. We, you know, we're entertaining some thoughts with him. Obviously, we're filling up at wide receiver in 2025 already. But we just have a lot of recruiting battles with LSU. I would rather see them lose every game they play. Yeah, good point. I, I'm excited for Saturday. I'm excited for tomorrow night, guys. Nebraska, Minnesota. Florida, Utah. Florida, Utah. I think that watch. Florida, Utah is going to be some heavy hitting, low scoring game. Please, I, I, I got to tell myself, don't pick Florida to win the game. I've been telling myself all day, don't do it. Don't pick Florida to win that game. Don't pick Florida to win that football game. I'm starting to think Florida might win that football game. Let's go, Utah. All right, we've got three bold predictions for OU coming up next. We'll hit that on the other side. Keep it locked right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans, KREF, Norman, Oklahoma, and streaming live on the KREF app. The Ref Sports Radio Network.